Hello and welcome to Cast the Pod to your Witcher. I'm your co-host Dov. I'm your co-host Aaron. And I'm your co-host Meg. And today we're discussing chapter four of uh, the first Witcher novel. Yes, this is um this is a meaty chapter. Um, as we were saying, a lot a lot a lot simultaneously happens. A lot in, happens r- yeah. in rather a yes. short linear period of time. Yeah. Because what we're talking about is really, you know, just a week of travel, right? Um, uh, chronologically mm. in universe, um, like on Geralt and Ciri and Triss's way down to Lander. But 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 a lot happens in it. Um, yeah. So we 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 basically start, and it's um, it, Triss has come down somehow with some mysterious bug, even though she should be immune to it, and she's in a bad way. Wizards of all people should really uh, have invented by now the word gastroenteritis, which is clearly <laughs> yes. what this is. Like, yes. yeah. <laughs> uh, that or it, norovirus or something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, it, it'll come up later how they treat it, which gives a hint at what it is. Um, so they, yeah, they're Triss is barely staying on the horse, and they're riding, and they get to a roadblock, and she's having to get off the horse all the time to do her, as my mother would say, ablutions. Um, <laughs> and they, yeah, this is, this is just the start of the chapters. Them trying to figure out how to treat her because, of course, she's allergic to elixirs, so she can't just down some swallow or golden oreo or whatever. Um, and she's in, she's having a bad day. Yeah, I thought that was quite funny. Um, the the way Geralt's just like extremely WTF over her being a sorceress who's allergic to any kind of magical elixir. <laughs> he fucking tries to interrogate her on the subject. Just goes like, 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 like. Are you not immune? Like, what? What is this? Like, <laughs> what is wrong with you? <laughs> uh, no, it is good to see Triss suffering. <laughs> um, <laughs> one must imagine Triss suffering. Um, <laughs> as Camus would want, would be one to say. Um, Indeed. And so, yeah, it, they come to the the roadblock, and it's because she's suffering. Basically, they're forced into a position where they have to. They can't just ride on or whatever. They have to get help, and they get help with a caravan. Uh, well, initially, initially, to be fair, they they actually end up at uh, at a guard post of the bridge. Um, yes, where they encounter, uh, among other things, um, like that it seems to have been attacked. Yes, this and is where we hear Scoyatel, Um, I think for, for the first time. Yeah, the first time. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Like, 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 like they, 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 the the guard post has been attacked. Geralt is very confused by whom. He's like by you know thieves or marauders or. And um, they, uh, the 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 guards at the local guard post advise to basically just go and have a look, and they point them to the dead bodies of the presumed attackers of the of the guard post, and they turn out to be elves. And they they and and uh, I think it was Triss maybe who just goes, oh, these are elves. Um, and um, the guardsman says, yes, they're Scoyatil. Which is where we're introduced to the concept uh, yes. to start with. Yeah, and Geralt is um, quite confused about this concept that they're they're fighting elves, um, which I think is funny. They're just like you know, like, like where have you been for two years? Which yeah, like, they, they, they literally say where have you been for how long? Have been in Kermoran? <laughs> just like 
have you been? Have you been under a rock? Like <laughs> Because Because even when even when Geralt wasn't Care more, he kinda just wasn't paying attention. He just rode Northward and shit, like with City and like Geralt kinda does like grade A obliviousness, so <laughs> Like he just oblivious the entire world. Like because yeah, because like apparently, well, it says like you know the the, the guard tells him that the first bands appeared just after the war with Nilfgaard broke out. So, like yeah, yeah, it's let's been get going to, on for let, long let, let's 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 get to the point to our listeners. Like the guard, the guard tells him about these bands of mostly elves, but not just called Skoyatel, which appeared when the first war with Nilfgaard broke out. Um, that are basically a guerrilla movement of elves who have risen up with the slogan "Humans to the Sea." They're trying to um, do fight a genocide. Uh, like, 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 like yeah. low, low key implied in the in the slogan "Humans to the Sea," right? Um, like, but basically, <laughs> they, 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 they rose up, like calling on the elder races, as they're now calling them which is everyone who isn't a human, basically, to rise up against the humans and break free from their rule, basically. Um, and uh, we, we get, like, we get a wonderful example, I genuinely love it, of, like, Sapex kind of world-building through dialogue the same way that we did on in the beginning of the book. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, that was what I was wanting to bring up. There's so much of it in this chapter of him just describing the politics just through conversation very cleverly without it being overt or boring he frames yeah. it as a debate an argument yeah. and yeah. that's what's really cool i love that i mm-hmm. i love sapex sapex concept of introducing world building through debate like that's that's fantastic like um and you really i genuinely feel it like you mostly see it come to fr- like you see hints of it in the short stories right like um, like there is there in every single one of the short stories, Geralt is kind of introduced to whatever dilemma um, is being faced by conversations with other characters rather than coming in with any pre-existing knowledge. And here mm. too, Geralt is a complete oblivious himbo. Like, um, <laughs> <laughs> but 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 the uh, the um, people that he in- he runs into, the people that he interacts with, even like. In this case, he kind of bystands to a conversation that's going on in the local commander's tent between him and a couple of uh, guardsmen and merchants. Um, and uh, they're basically debating where, like, like we're introduced through debate that, that, like, you know, to this idea that, you know, uh, the Scoyatel emerged, you know, like, during the first war with the Elfguard. Um, we get the stab in the result. back myth. Like literally, <laughs> it says bit, stabbed hi, in the back. Like, yeah, <laughs> it kind of echoes like the idea of a stab <laughs> in the Macbeth, doesn't it? Like, like they, uh, they literally mm-hmm. say at one point, like the elf stabbed us in the back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and par- part of the debate is also like a, a class debate, right? Um, so it's it's a knight that's explaining to Geralt about um the Scoyatel and the 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 sort of murder and plunder and humans to the sea, but then a a, a grieve and that's sort of a um like a, a farm manager i guess i have to look that word up um pipes up and says it, you know it's your own fault and your own problem um you know yours and the other noblemen you're the ones who oppress them so there's sort of a, a class conflict as well among the humans as to like whose fault this is yeah like 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 and uh, i think he also observes that uh they're no scarier than like 
an average bandit, and they've they've actually driven the local bandits from the from the um, you know forests around them. But then actually, one of the wounded guardsmen chimes in with uh, with, with with what I think is also kind of an insight into why this is a lot more dramatic than some previous banditry. When he goes, I but like a usual bandit just wants some loot, whereas what Scoia'tael are interested in is human blood. Um, and they like like not everyone has something like something to you know like uh, be robbed from, but like human blood flows in every human's veins. And uh, he points to you know like some villages that have been burned down, um, like and you know massacred in the dead of night. So right from the outset, we get you know a very strong feeling of um, oh shit, the stakes are pretty high here. <laughs> like yeah. <laughs> We're into yeah. full-blown race war now. Yeah, they're not in a position to cart a sick woman around, basically. Yeah. The knight intervenes with a fucking genocidal rant, like... Um, yeah. Uh, like, yeah. like... And this is where the stabbed in the back thing comes in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, he, he starts fucking harping God about how, like, all of them are our enemies, only so- some of them only hide it better, like... Yeah, we emboldened them too much, we tolerated them, treated them as humans, as equals, and now they're stabbing us in the back, Nilfgaard is paying them for it. Um, <laughs> yeah, three yeah. brackets around um, Nilfgaard, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh. Uh... <laughs> oh, spicy. Um, yeah. And I mean, like oh. that, that's, I mean, this is suitably why this, one of the sort of epigrams at the start of the chapter was, you know, a good elf is a dead elf. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like <sighs> it, it becomes a whole fucking thing. Like, like he just rants on like straight up genocidally, like about like, 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 you know how it's like, you know, like how, uh, yeah, like, 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 like the the conclusion that you get hides behind a lot of what he's saying, although he doesn't explicitly say it, is more or less unless we kill them all, we won't be safe. I mean, and that did. That... You know, it's an overtly political point about the roots of fascism being in the middle and upper classes. Um, yeah. Another spicy I mean, take, but that's what happens. It kind of is, yeah. Yeah. The farmer's just saying, like, nah, actually, this isn't this is your this isn't our problem, and the elves are no worse than anyone else. And yeah, the noblemen. <laughs> you know, what's interesting though, actually, is um, this might be just because I come from a North American context. To be fair, a farm manager is not working class. That is also <laughs> that true. is also petit bourgeois as fuck. Like and that is also petit bourgeois, and a merchant actually does defend the, the elves as well, uh, which is also petit bourgeois. But was, um, I think, I, I, think I think we probably don't want to read too much leftism into notorious capitalist Angie Sapkowski. <laughs> well, see, here's the thing: the thing coming from a North American context that it reminded me of, and I don't know if you know this would have been something he would have been thinking about but this is actually exactly the logic for dumping like agent orange on vietnam and like burning vietnamese villages right the mm-hmm. the real support comes from those who have um they're hiding them they're feeding them they're supplying them with volunteers like the ones that aren't even involved are hiding them and feeding them like that is the logic for what like the atrocities in vietnam mm. i mean i i i don't think it would be wouldn't have been completely off his mind because i mean he, when he was writing this it was the 90s right um Yes, like, it's not that so, long. So, uh, what was you know uh, generally described as 
counterterrorism operations in the 90s like um you know like like in the popular because that that would have been what he was thinking of when he was like writing this like in the popular mindset uh like you know Iraq and Afghanistan and so on had not yet happened so like what he pr- what he probably would have been imagining would have been things like Vietnam uh things like uh probably um Israeli policy in the West Bank and Gaza at the time. The things like, you know, li- like, like generally speaking, when people thought of a counter-terrorist operation or something described as a counter-terrorist operation, um, it was something pretty brutal and pretty prone on the cracking down on the ordinary person around them kind of thing, you know? Yeah, and just given his age, like, he was born in 1948, so, like, yeah, Vietnam would have been his, like, coming of age years, so it probably would have been. Yeah, I mean, like, clearly. it was it was yeah. a war that was greatly propagandized in socialist Poland, mm-hmm. so, like, um, like, 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 in, 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 you know, like, 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 fucking Eastern Bloc Poland, um, mm-hmm. like, just as in any of, any of the Eastern Bloc states, so, like, uh, he will have heard of it, you know? Like, <laughs> like, 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 like that will have been somewhere in the back of his mind. Um, yeah. Like I, I do think. Um, and you know, you know, like you know, what's also what also like hit me when I was reading this scene. This is kind of a tangent, but still, um, I love how Sapek like fucking does this thing where he introduces a character um, and makes us actually have like a neutral to positive first impression even like quite a positive first impression because like when this knight is introduced he actually he's actually respectful to Geralt he shakes his hand he goes I've heard of you and not from just anyone um like 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 and you know like smiles and everything like this is a guy who clearly respects Geralt like which you know like like in this world is a lot because everyone shits on him first opportunity (laughs) <laughs> like 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 and um you know like 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 so so like initially we're like we're like pulled into even almost thinking oh maybe you know this is this guy is sound and then he turns out to be a raging racist like i <laughs> i i adore the way that sapek does this thing where he try where he tries to emphasize that like everyone is kind of when they're evil they're banally evil like bad the, like like their 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 evil is their their evil is de- deeply banal and like trivial and like 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 every day in such a way that like when you initially meet them it's like ah this person might be sound and then you, and then yeah <laughs> yeah 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 no exactly he does a really good job of that and I think that like that's something that's really great about his character building is the way that um he does. <sighs> A lot of writers, when they do gray, they do it in a way that is about, like, not trying to judge their behavior or whatever. But what he does is he gives us characters who have good elements and bad elements, but the bad elements are unmistakably bad, right? Yeah, yeah. I think think that's quite cool. Yeah. Another little thing that he does with characters that I think is really interesting is he gives us tiny characters who we'll never see again, but become sort of emblematic of something. Like... You know, they're, they're having this sort of abstract debate over over the place of the elder races and yada yada. And the merchant, um, when the merchant pipes up in defense of the elves, you know, he says the majority of non-humans condemn the squirrels. And I just, I love that he gives this little example. If remember the burgermaster from Bernard, he was a half-elf who worked to peace and cooperation and he was killed by an assassin's arrow. And that's just like, th- there's a world of little details. Yeah. Th- yeah. Yeah. 
like we know that Bernard is the 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 sorcerer, not sorceress, but sorcerer's school. That's so that's, we know that's there's a half elf school, yeah, yeah. So we like we just, we know there's a half elf who is like the burger master of the the city there. That, that's like, like an interesting little bit of world building. We know that we now know that like, there's you know conflict happening there as well. Like it's just the, the amount of little bits of world building he packs into like one sentence. Yeah, is just like yeah, I just it's. Like amazing. this, this man insists he hates world building, but he just like drops all of it, <laughs> like like at us all the time, and like we're ex- we're 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 supposed to just pretend to believe that, like. But, <laughs> well, we get a lot like it's just a minor detail that's given in it, but there are a couple of really cool details that are given in here because he talks about giving um, uh, Tris fire water with pepper and saltpeter. Saltpeter being nitroglycerin, um. Which is given to people with, you know, sore stomachs. Um, and yeah. later on, they talk about um, olive meal with mold. Mold, in this case, I presume to be penicillin. So they're actually uh-huh. talking about, you know, giving proper medicine, but in the context of a world that doesn't call it that and doesn't have the full understanding of what it's actually doing, even though they know about the germ theory of sickness, because that's referred to, you know, in earlier books and the smallpox plague and stuff like that and genetics but they've got mm-hmm. like reasonably it's not a super advanced medicine but it's actual it's still medicine as we would understand it yeah well, i mean like that's that's traditional med- medicine in a nutshell right like like and then yeah. like they yeah. they kind of got surprising amounts of things accidentally right um just through trial and error that even, though, yeah. in, even <laughs> though they didn't really fully understand why it works yeah so I guess she'll have had a bacterial infection. So I guess she's got like salmonella or E. coli or something. Yeah, exactly that. Um, yeah, because it says like it can't be typhoid or dysentery. Geralt lied with conviction. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but in any uh, case, after after the conversation <laughs> where we are introduced to the concept of the Scoia'tael, Geralt is also informed by the knight that they're probably not going to receive any aid in this um, guard post. And sh- but mm-hmm. however, he has an idea where they might, which is uh, down the road past the caravan uh, that seems to have been in um, in His Majesty's royal service, uh, like and um, basically that they might have medicine or things like that that could be useful, um, like and the night the Geralt muses kind of. Okay, fair enough. It's kind of on the way for us anyway, but will we get any help there? And the knight kind of coldly responds with, Well, you don't know, but you definitely won't get any here. <laughs> <laughs> so so they kind of uh... have to depart that way and bump into this caravan. Um, yeah. Only to find it guarded mostly by dwarves. Specifically and our old familiar friend Arpen Zegrin. <laughs> yeah. 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 Arpen and his beard. Yes, Yarpin and his beard. beard. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love that Yarpin is like super pleased to see Geralt, even though like the dragon hat story was pretty rough actually, and that's the yeah. last time they saw each other, I think. <laughs> yeah. I think yeah. I think in a bizarre turn of events, Yarpin kinda took it as a bonding experience. <laughs> I think so too. <laughs> uh... Like which which I mean we should probably mention that that's mildly yikes because of what yeah, Yarvin all the stuff attempted to do to Yennefer. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh dear. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I we think should. Just we should talk like... politely about 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 how 
Geralt and Yarpin just treating each other as old friends is um it's a choice. <laughs> it, it is a choice. <laughs> Sapic like what what do you like I mean it's just like I'm just curious what went on through Sapic's mind when he was writing this because it's just like I like, think like and it's it could... not like he's re- <laughs> he's not retconning that Yennefer hates Yarpin because Yarpin's like oh yeah I yes precisely precisely she... he's keenly aware of like what happened <laughs> in the short story he's just going like yeah, yeah absolutely Geralt and Yarpin would be pals after that and it's just yeah. like oh yeah Sapic? of course because she threatened to make grass grow out his backside yeah should we remind our listeners what what Yarpin did in the short story yeah go for it go uh, for it so um. The TLDR was that uh, when Boholt was threatening to rape Yennefer, uh, Yarpin was the one who undressed her, basically. Um, like, well, stripped her. Like, um, yeah. That, that's that's kind of yeah. what I distinctly remember. So he was he was pretty much an accomplice in an attempted rape of Yennefer. So... Yeah. Which, I feel like... I'm glad that's it... not in the TV series. Mm. Yeah, because the thing is... I like Yarpin is a good character apart from that mm-hmm. and like he's often like and in this story once we get to it he is kind of like the moral center of this story yeah and yeah like yeah, we'll, we'll talk know, about man. him being a moral center in the moment but let's just say Sapik you really should have thought a bit harder about that one I'm just saying um yeah in any case yeah. Yeah. So, uh, mm. moving on. Yarpin, Yarpin immediately takes to helping Geralt, uh, for what it's worth. Um, like when he learns that Triss is heavily sick, um, he worries a little bit that it might be typhoid or dysentery. But Geralt, Geralt convincingly lies um, <laughs> that that Triss is immune to those, and insists that it's just a, just a stomach poisoning. Yeah. Oh, um, I might have to correct this. I I just pulled up the, the the that bit of the story. It's um, uh, Yarpin's the one who knocks Yennefer out, but it's Boholt who tears off her dress. Oh right. Okay. okay. So he just assaults her. <laughs> yeah. No. He just he just he just gives her a concussion, which is clearly fine. Arguably, still complicit in a literal attempted rape, though. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like, what am I saying? Arguably, he is complicit in the attempt to. Do. Yes. <laughs> yes, just, but just to clarify, he's the one that gives her a concussion. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well. Yeah. Well done, Yarpin. Well done, Yarpin. <laughs> so we get another exchange when they're deciding whether to join the caravan. You know, what's his name? Is it Venk? Or, yeah, let's assume it's Venk. Sort of says. Yeah, Wilfred Venk. Yeah. Yeah, he says like you can, I, like I have the power to commission you into my service as a soldier. Happy to take you along if you act as a sh- soldier. But of course, Geralt can't do that because um, mm-hmm. he's Mister Neutral. Um, yeah, he gives a whole dramatic speech about how please don't put any hopes and any of your hopes into my sword. Um, but uh, Wilfred Wenk, who is honestly a solid guy, like mm. goes, yep, fair enough, mate. Um, I I can't refuse like people in need anyway, so I'm gonna take you guys on, you know, anyway because Triss is sick. Um, solid guy, honestly. Yeah, yeah sound can't lad. deny help on the trail. Yeah, yep. Like what a sound lad, Wilfred Wenk. Honestly. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
deserves better than he gets later. Um. Yes. Uh, so they yeah. all sort of pile into the caravan and they start a fire and they all do their things and settle in. They make a what's it called? Um, what do you call it? A, like the mobile bed thing um, that they put Triss on. A stretcher. Stretcher. Oh gosh, is it bad? I couldn't think of that word either. Yeah, they, <laughs> they put her on a stretcher and throw a sheepskin on her in the back and take the horses and they start basically setting off on this trip where it's not very clear what they're delivering but it's an all like non-human caravan and in the context of Scoia'tael and everything it's uh, all very suspicious. Yeah Garpin tries to say that it's like saltfish and fodder and whatever and Geralt's just like okay like 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 it literally describes it literally says it literally says like yarpin just continued to lie as he listed off like more and more (laughs) (laughs) genetic fucking materials if he's a quartermaster then i'm a druid um so even Geralt, that our himbo is aware that they're kind of being taken for a ride yeah, yeah, there's definitely something else going on here, but he, 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 bas- he basically decides it's none of his business, um, and, um, you know, Jarvin's just asking him what, uh, what his relationship is to, to Triss and the girl, and I uh, thought it was really quite, um, sweet when Jarvin asks, you know, what the deal with Siri is, if she's his, and he just says mine, this is mine, he replied without thinking. He was like, oh. Yeah. Just, oh. <laughs> quite sweet. But yeah, they um, they um, kind of carry on in the the caravan. Um, and there's there's some debate about how Triss is so incredibly sick that it's going to um, to slow down their arrival with their sort of essential delivery. Um, but Yarpin insists to Bank that you know they won't miss the deadline. Um, that they're ahead of schedule and it's going to be fine. Yeah, and again, they can't turn down help on the trail. Um, yes, especially not to a sick woman. Yeah, and Geralt again as well. No, I'm. I'll carry wood for you. I'll get water, whatever. But I, I'm not going to be your your soldier boy. Um, <laughs> yeah, but they get they they agree to take them on anyway, and you know they get on the way. Yeah, um, basically, it's kind yeah. of the takeaway. Um, like the next couple of days are kind of like you know like a travel montage of like us getting little bits of the journey through Siri's eyes yeah um, yeah like sort of in between her naps and taking care of Triss she's like picking up little bits of conversation yeah um uh, and yeah. specifically um the the two funniest bit like like there there is a really funny bit in this which is like about Geralt once again trying to pry what the materials are that they're shipping and uh and and um <laughs> he says, like, this is, like, a lot of work for, you know, transporting some fish to King Demo and the Nether, like, uh, to what Yarpin, like, just says that, well, you see, some types of fish are so valuable that uh, one barrel of them can basically is 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 so expensive that for that, for the, for the corresponding amount of coin, you can, you can train and outfit an entire troop of cavalry. <laughs> and the the other the other bit is of course that Geralt extremely untactfully if I do say so myself starts up a conversation with Yarpin about the Skoyatel like before we talk about this can I just say Geralt in this conversation with Yarpin is being like 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 one of those like 
really bad performative white allies who shit on how actual black people do anti-racist activism. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's exactly what he's doing. I feel like like, Geralt feels like because he's a mutant, he gets to, like, speak for the, like, non-human side. Literally, right? Like, like, it's just like, no, man, you're still human. You're just a weird one. Is he doing the Irish slaves thing? I was was about to say he's like the Irish Americans. He's he's doing, as an Irish American, I'm not really white either. Like, <laughs> like like because because what 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 he what he says here honestly is so is so profoundly unhelpful i got mad at him but i was just reading it i was just like yarpit should punch you like he would be in in, in he would be in the right to punch you like <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, so basically Geralt is questioning Yarpin's choices because Yarpin has, he's entered the service of King Henselt to, um, to, and part, that's part of his, his part of his duties are delivering this caravan, but he works for King Henselt. And Geralt is, um, is clearly questioning, like, Yarpin's decision making here. Y- Geralt all but asks him why he why he joined Henselt instead of the instead of the Scoia'tael, basically. Yeah, so he like he we come in with kind of serious sort of tuning into the conversation as Geralt saying like, I "Understand, I'm not criticizing your decisions or your resolutions," and and uh, Garpin replies that you're just smiling knowingly about them. So Geralt's clearly just being like full on condescending here, and he's not even um, openly he's asking to tell... like things. He's just kind of hinting that like and yeah. and and. And and you know like 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 uh, uh, is it either I say to Garpin like they'll never accept you like both sides despise those who sit on the fence and or at best treat them with suspicion so he's accusing Yarpin of fence sitting when Yarpin has clearly picked a side. Yarpin 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 literally retorts with I'm not fence sitting I have I have unequivocally chosen a side (laughs) like without but you always remain a dwarf for that side (laughs) an outsider. (laughs) It's just yeah. it's just like, Ugh. like I've I've just like I was just reading that I was going like, Geralt, like why are you just like assuming that like 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 Geralt has heard of the Squirtle for the first time like three days ago, like like mm-hmm. but he's but he's just already out here assuming that like if you're a dwarf you must want to support them like yeah and Yarpin's been out here day in day out living in this shit where Geralt's been like hiding out at Karabora and 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 Geralt feels like he can tell Yarpin what to do so like when Yarpin like snaps back at him like go ahead and call me a traitor and a dog on a human leash over a handful of silver and a bowl of lousy food is prepared to be set against his rebelling kinsmen like yeah like yeah that's the right thing for Yarpin to snap back at him like yeah like because just like I mean, no offense Geralt but like you literally don't understand this shit and you're talking already anyway like again, yeah. you learned about this three days ago. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, the worst thing like, is right is Geralt says like you can't sit on the fence, but Geralt's the fence sitter. Is he projecting here or what? Yeah. Like what I think, what I think is happening, right? Like, is that actually instinctively Geralt in nearly every instance in his life, um, like has regretted it when 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 instead of like um, you know taking a clear stance he well sat on the fence um mm-hmm. and especially he's regretted this when one side was very obviously wrong like in the case of Renfrey um, yes so what i think Geralt is reading into this situation is that Yarpin is as he sees 
making the same mistake without realizing that like <laughs> actually what Yarpin is doing is not is not it's not a mistake it's not unthought through it's a conscious choice to side with explicitly one side because he sincerely believes that the Skoitel are in the wrong Yes, exactly. Yarpin is making a principled stand for what he sees as, and this is great character work because this goes back to what he said in The Bounds of Reason. In The Bounds of Reason, he said that the problem was that the Northern Realms wouldn't unite and what they needed was concord and unity. And he's making a case, the same here, that he's taken the side that to him means cooperation and living together, not race yeah. war. Yeah, yeah. Like, 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 um... And and then Geralt just shits on all of that from like a, a knowledge base of three days and much unresolved trauma, like. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Meanwhile, Geralt can't actually see that he's the one making the same mistake, and he's the one who's fence sitting, and he's the one who's refusing uh. to take a side and is doing his lesser evil discourse all over again. Yeah. So so basically, Yarpin just snaps at Geralt that it's impossible to remain neutral. Um, and kicks him off of his wagon. Which is um, a, it's an overriding theme, really, of Geralt's existence, of him trying to be neutral in situations where it's really not that possible to be. I might be English majoring this, but I love um, the, 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 the sort of the image of them literally being on a moving cart yes. and Yarpin yelling at him, you can't remain neutral. <laughs> that's that's the phrase, isn't it? You can't remain neutral on a moving train, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, in English yeah. it is, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so Geralt jumps off, and then Siri comes out to talk to Yarpin. I, ju- I I just want to ask you guys, like, first before anything else, um, like, so see the bit where she tells him that like you you won't have to piss as often if like if you stop drinking so much beer. Um, yeah. What does she say next afterwards in the English translation? Okay, so just read out the dialogue from that bit for a little. Okay, so right, right, right. So she comes out and he calls girls a nuisance because he hates that he can't just piss off the side of the cart anymore and has to be polite. And she says, "Is that so? Drink less beer, Zigrin, and then you won't have to. My beer's none of your shit and business, you chit. Don't yell. Triss has just fallen asleep. It's my wagon. I'll yell if I want to." And then she yells, "Stumpy." Okay, so like this is this is an example of a of a bad bad case of, like where of like an untranslatable joke actually um <laughs> like so so like as you can imagine someone yelling stumpy is weird uh this yeah. is because this is because in the like in the Lafayette translation and i presume in the original just because close enough right um mm-hmm. she yells stump like which he takes offense to because yeah. In in Lithuanian, and therefore I presume by the fact that this joke works in Lithuanian, also Polish, stump is an insult. Like you can call someone a stump, like uh, kind of right. in, the, in the sense uh... of like, you know, just like a generic word for an idiot, you know, <laughs> like a tube or right. a numpty. Because that makes yeah, like it, it's right. it's 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 an equivalent of a tube or a numpty, yeah. Ah, uh, but of yeah. course it's got a double meaning because. Uh, but, okay. but they're they're about to tumble over a stump, yeah. <laughs> but it doesn't work in English because they have to make it stumpy because stumpy isn't an insult, but stump stump isn't an insult, but stumpy would be for a dwarf. Yeah, uh, but stumpy isn't anything someone would say if they're trying to warn you there's a stump in the road. So it I, I was wondering how they would how they would resolve that because in Lithuanian, like uh, that is still an insult. Stump is also an insult in Lithuanian. Um, so it just but, sounds right. like a child. Um, I mean, stumpy 
Um, I do wonder. Yeah, that's not the best no, way of reconciling it's, that. It's meant, to, it's meant to be a joke about the fact that Ceres yelling stump because there is a stump in the road and he has to swerve the horses out to avoid it, but he initially takes it as an insult. Like Yes. Yeah, and her saying Stumpy is just not a good characterization for Siri because that makes it sound like she's being childish when this is like quite hardened, like almost like, thirteen year old Siri. Yeah, like this is this is tween Siri, right? Like like she's yeah. no longer doing those things anymore. Like, um it's 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 not meant to be an insult towards him, it's meant to be a double you know, it's meant to be a fucking joke about like 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 mm-hmm. like the double yeah. meaning of stump in this case yeah and they try but it just doesn't just doesn't translate yeah i was wondering yeah. how they would resolve that but but i can see that they didn't uh <laughs> <laughs> and then she goes right back to laying into him for pissing off the cart <laughs> yeah um and then and like, then good. and then they have a serious conversation about neutrality as a concept uh because she asks Yarpin what that means and Yarpin gives a definition that I think is also like really it's a really great moment of characterization for Yarpin because he goes Mm -hmm. like when she asks him what it it means to be neutral he means it is to be um how do you say that in English like the translation says indifferent yeah indifferent that's the word I'm looking for (laughs) like like it is to be indifferent like and like I think that's already fucking fantastic. Like, 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 because it's just it's just a brilliant correct moment of characterization. Yarpin's part. Like she she goes like, what do you mean? Like, 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 like uh, being different. And 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 Yarpin goes, well, um, let me explain it this way. If we were attacked by squirrels, like your Geralt would stand over there by the side and watch as we are all killed, and you would stand beside him as well because that would be that would be a lesson for you. How to how a witcher behaves in the co- in the in a in a conflict between sapient races. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, um. I, like I I kind of love that like Yarpin's entire like moral in this particular chapter is an explicit like much more explicit than Triss was actually um, in her argument with the witchers at Caraboran like but an explicit like total rejection of the idea of neutrality it is indifference it is to watch people die yeah and i mean that's the overarching theme of this sort of chapter slash book really i think yeah and it's like a running theme of the series as well because that isn't so different from you know from the lesser evil right his choices there were he he wouldn't make a choice and by remaining neutral he watched people die and when he couldn't remain neutral anymore more people also died so i mean like it, it, this is a theme that just carries through the series mm-hmm. um yeah but, and um so they, they carry on this sort of conversation and siri sort of talks about you know them fighting for freedom like the dryads and broccolon and the fact that dryads kill people because they want you know their country back and, and she kind of horribly quotes like i get that she's a kid doesn't understand what she's doing but she kind of horribly quotes Geralt's line like not Geralt's line but like yarpin's sarcastic line at Geralt, like um calling himself the, a your dog king henselt special secret servant on a human leash yeah like <laughs> yeah and 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 uh yarpin kind of while quite angrily but basically explains you know um 
like he also he actually gives it like a little bit of fantastic world building like where um this is the first bit where it's established that like some sort of chronology of like like when the various races arrive in the continent because he says yeah the elves arriving in their boats the gnomes have always been there and the dwarves been there for a while and yeah like 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 because yarpin rants for a little bit about how like you know about this elven nonsense that like that like now they're the elder races but wasn't that long ago that like their arrows the you know whizzed past our ears like I also like um, what he says about about the square tile and why why he won't join up with them. So like, it's, you can see how much he likes Siri because he's sort of like grinning and teasing her and calling her a brat while he's explaining this. But I really like when he explains to her like why um, why he why he would never join the square tile and says that you know she's actually grasped the nature of the square tile, tile quickly that uh, she likes their slogans and she understands them because the square tile are brats just like her. They're like <laughs> who don't understand that they're being egged on and taken advantage of for their childish stupidity. <laughs> Which <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. Like, and we also get a bit of um, um, world building about um, why humans have come to dominate the earth. Um, <laughs> we, we get Yarpin's particular theory on it, which is, which well, is not that, too different that... from Jennifer's thoughts. <laughs> like we, like yeah, holy shit! It's like it's actually the same as as the other first thoughts of the bizarre fucking short story that like Yarpin first appears in like which yeah. is which is that like that 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 humans have spread so widely because they're the best at um uh, waging war and reproducing so that's a very polite way to putting it compared to the way he did yeah yeah like he's he's he says uh caving in skulls and fucking but like you know <laughs> yeah the faithful uh, so you've got to be on got the honest truth and faithful faithful history of a world where he who shatters the skulls of others most efficiently and swells women's bell- bellies the fastest reigns that's Yarpin's <laughs> grand theory of history <laughs> uh, it's not quite guns uh, germs and steel is it <laughs> uh, yeah i love yarpin <laughs> yeah notwithstanding yeah. his notwithstanding dodgy past. the best of reason <laughs> like, but apropos of nothing, by the way, in another one of like of Siri's overhearings, uh, she overhears <laughs> Geralt and Yarpin complaining about another time when Jan- Yarpin ran into Yennefer, um, and mm-hmm. she basically called him a son of a whore and like <laughs> attempted to fucking <laughs> like like like, <laughs> like and basically yelled at him as like he he just like immediately ran away, like. Um mm-hmm. and and Geralt responds in this situation with like mumbling something about women and their and their you know like uh I'm trying to translate from Lithuanian like um and their short temper right like um yeah. it's just a Geralt again yeah do you remember distinctly yeah. exactly what Yarpin is complicit in because <laughs> because yeah. this is a bit horrible yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, you can't really complain about women and their temperaments when, like, you know, he knocked her out and left her at Bohold's mercy. Yeah. It's just like, yeah. Geralt, you of all people should not be, you know, going, ugh, women, at hearing that she's bad Tiarpin of all people. Yeah, yeah, I know, right? <sighs> In any case. Anyway, so, yeah, so, so Geralt comes back and tells Yarpin to stop being inappropriate to a 12-year-old. 
and uh, Triss goes to go get some water so that uh, Triss can wash. Um, Yarpin gives like a pretty incredible description of Siri here that like I, j- I just want on record because it it's like so foreshadowing what a dangerous person she is um so siri comes back calling a big cauldron of water that she really shouldn't be able to lift and and they're all sort of like commenting on how much she can lift and yarpin says don't judge her by her appearances there's nothing to laugh at here she's skinny but i can see she's robust and she's a robust and resilient lass she's like a leather belt thin but it can't be torn apart in your hands and if you were to hang yourself on it it would bear your weight too it's a great description it like, is, but it's also got unfortunate <laughs> connotations on the last part. Um, well, a lot of people are going to die in her way, it's true. Like, <laughs> that's yeah. really just foreshadowing about the rest of the series. <laughs> just what an incredibly dangerous person she is. Mm. <laughs> uh, it's yeah, a very cool analogy. Quite. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In any case, what kind of happens next is that for a little bit, Suri chats with the dwarves. And then she kind of, um, like, witnesses Triss attempting to, like, be just, like, very, you know... She throws herself at cling to Geralt and, like, yeah. even try to kiss him and stuff. And, like... Yeah. And then, and then like, she starts... At one point, she literally offers to have sex with him right there. Like, which... Wild, considering that, like, you are not in a state to do anything, Triss. Like, Like, your guts are already being messed up. (laughs) 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 There's not much more rearranging to do there, I'm just saying. Oh no! Um, so yeah, we get um, Yarpin comes out with something astute here as well about you know just because someone shows you affection and care and love does not mean that um, it is a romantic kind. Um, I find this very yes. funny. I find this bit like both very touching and very very funny because it's usually guys that have to hear this. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say. You know what I think is great actually because it's like a kind of gruff dwarf giving this advice to like a young girl i think the people reading it aren't going to take it like super personally and, and not take it in a didactic way but it's such an important message for young guys to hear that like just because someone is many of whom nice will be the will be you. you know like 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 the likely readers of these books so like yeah yeah it's very progressive yeah, yeah um... well done Sapek. yeah yeah yeah, someone shows you compassion, sympathy, and dedication. If they surprise you with integrity of character, value it, but don't mistake it for something else. Yeah. It's very yeah. eloquently and poetically and nicely put. Yeah. And yeah. it's and it's important because, like, I think basically any reader of these scenes can confirm that, like, at least especially here, Triss is mostly just re- readable as creepy. Like, like, mm. like, like, yeah. like, her behavior is not... Like, unlike some of her previous historic behavior, it's not like, you know, like, like, evil evil, but like, but it's, but it's uncomfortable. It makes you feel creeped out. It makes you go, man, I would not like to be in Geralt's position. Like, which, again, important messaging for young guys reading this book. (laughs) Yeah, like the stuff she's saying, like... I so regret it was between us. It should have happened. Now, when I'm better, it would be entirely different. I could. I envy Yennefer. Like, oh, oh, I don't like it. Yeah, it's it's uncomfortable. Yeah. 
So it almost sounds like she's like saying like, oh, like, sorry for like roofing you. I could have been better now. We should try again. Like, oh, it's not ideal. It'll be different, she says. And it's just like, well, I guess that's technically true in that there would be less drugs. Yes. Like there would there will be there would be a love potion involved. Yeah. Ugh. Anyway, after that we chat with, you know, Yarp and happen to we chat with his arm around Siri's shoulder. Um, they kinda get back to race war chat. Yeah. Um, they actually so now politely says- discuss the concept of race war. <laughs> So, you know, Siri says to Arpin, you know, I like you a lot. I like you. And he says, you know, that he likes her as well. And she says, but you're a dwarf and I'm not. Um, and then he realized she's she's still concerned about the Scoia'tael. Um, and she straight up asks him, like, so, so Arpin, who's right? Like, the, the, the squirrels are you because Geralt wants to be neutral. You're in, you're in service to kick Hedzalt even though you're a dwarf. And the knight in the guardhouse, like, yelled that all non-humans are our enemies and all of them need to be killed, basically. And, you know, like, Yarpin, you know, who's right? And he actually gives a very genuinely profound statement about, like, how he doesn't know, um, like, um... Oh, this this really appealed to to my uncertain heart. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the, I'm not omniscient. I'm doing what I think right. The scrolls have taken up their weapons and gone into the woods. Humans to the sea, they're shouting, not realizing that their catchy slogan was fed to them by Nilfgaardian emissaries, not understanding that the slogan is not aimed at them, but plainly at humans, that it's meant to ignite human hatred, not fire young elves to battle. I understood. That's why I consider the Scoyatel's actions criminally stupid. What to do? Maybe in a few years' time, I'll be called a traitor who sold out and they'll be heroes. Um, you know, our history, the history of our world, to see the events turn out like that. You know, so he's like, he's really uncertain, actually, about whether he's on the winning side, but he believes he's on the right side, regardless. And then and then he gives another, like, you know, speech about like, um, how it's like, like what he thinks before anything else is paramount. Yeah. Is for everyone to let them call me a traitor and a coward because I, Yarpin Zegrin, coward, traitor and renegade state that we should not kill each other. I state that we ought to live, live in such a way that we don't later have to ask anyone for forgiveness. Oh, it's such a good political outlook. <laughs> and, and he and he and he like justifies like joining like like King Hensel's service because like he he believes that like that is like what will contribute the best to tr- continuing to try to live together and not burning those bridges that were slowly being built. Yeah. He says, for over a hundred years we've been trying to come to terms with humans, uh, the halflings, the gnomes, us, even the elves. Um, it took a hundred years, but somehow or other we managed to live a common life next to each other. We managed to partially convince the humans we're not so different. I just, I, like, Safak does this thing where he often does make the dwarves the moral centres of the stories they're in, and this is just so lovely. Mm. It's extremely nice, yeah. Mm-hmm. Apropos of nothing, there's 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 a, there's a funny disconnect in that in that in that speech, like where he goes, like, uh, of course I'm not talking about about the the mermaids, nymphs, or sil or, or sylphs. Those were always wild, even even at the times when you you people weren't even here. I'm just like, <laughs> wait, Yarpin, are what are what you're basically saying is, I just hope you're 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 aware of this, is that. That there, there, there are people. There, there, there are there are sapient races that can't be come to an accommodation <laughs> with. <laughs> See, the English translation says Rasalka's nymphs and sylphs, but yeah. <laughs> oh gosh, yeah, it's true. It's because they are sapient species, and he's just like, yeah, yeah, not them though. <laughs> <laughs> 
everyone everyone has someone they're racist against, even Yarp and Zigrin. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so we get um after this. Oh, there's one more bit that I just have to do for this. Hmm? When they're we're agreeing that they're not so different, and Siri says, you know, we eat the same things from the same pot. You help Tristan, so do I. You had a grandmother, and I had a grandmother. And then she says, my grandmother was killed by the Elf Guardians in Sintra, and he replies, and mine by humans in Brugge during the pog- pogrom. So just oof. Yeah. Like Garpin is choosing this path despite what happened to his own family is like pretty intense. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Carry on. Uh, where am I? Uh-huh. Uh yes, so <sighs> yes, the the some riders come up and sort of harangue them and demand an inspection, claiming that they're sort of they're not really bothered about if what they're carrying so long as they're not carrying slaves, basically, mm-hmm. and they sort of just have a nosy around and then run off, basically, mm-hmm. and it becomes sort of evident later on why they've done this, but um yeah, mm-hmm. they do this yeah. Yeah, and then they've been—they get warned by them as as they're leaving. They warn them that there's a squad tile around that wiped out an entire patrol, uh, further up, um, and that they—it's quite far away. But you know, elves travel quickly, so you know, be careful. Um, and then and Yarpin kind of asks Siri and Geralt to go scouting. Scouting. <laughs> yeah, I think that like he says it in such a roundabout way that I was off, actually confused the first time I read it. So I was like, why is Siri like charging away? I'm what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, she she fucking gallops away in her horse because she's excited to, you know, actually gallop. Um, yeah, get away from the slow What it turns wagons. out is happening is that, like, Siri and Geralt are going scouting. Um, yes. I can only presume that it's probably because Yarpin is reasoning that, like, uh, well, Siri is tiny and Geralt is, like, you know, familiar with how to remain unseen in situations. Um, yeah, because she's small and light. And yeah. uh, therefore thinks that they're kind of the ideal scouts. Yeah, yeah, they're both quiet and fast, and she's a child, and, and people generally think of witchers as neutral, so, like, probably good scouts that won't be tied to anything if they're seen as well. So, yeah. And they do and they do witness elves um, in the forest. Can I just say, yes. by the way, here? Mm-hmm. Could we talk about how... I, I think this scene was written to deliberately parallel the first time we see elves in Lord of the Rings. Because it's the exact same kind of setup. They're in a forest. Um, like, um, they're... Like, like, and, and elves kind of ethereally emerge from behind some trees. Like, um, it's, it's exactly like the scene where, like, Frodo and Sam and uh, Pippin ra- run into... Uh, Gildor, like in the woods of the Shire, yeah. Like, except it is. It's a lot. Like, 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 except, like, obviously, in the in that book, elves are something you know, like, 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 immediately reassuring. They chase off the threat of the Black Riders, you know, like, 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 like that that whole thing. Um, mm-hmm. But here, they're in the ruins are... of an old castle, uh, an old palace, El- yeah. Like, well, they don't exactly yeah. see the elves in the ruins of the old palace, but like, but here elves are like they see they see them in the forest, right? Still mm. before they get to the old palace, and here yeah. the elves are a threat. They're something that like to be afraid of because you know that like you know it's an armed commando, like rather than 
Yeah. But they're still yeah. so mysterious and ethereal and emerge out of the forest. And it's just, it just feels a lot like that, like a parallel of that scene where you see elves for the first time in Lord of the Rings. Yeah, but as you say, in this case, it's 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 an elven commando who has sort of interrupted Siri having a pretty serious trauma flashback. Yeah. Um, because as she's riding through the woods and she's riding quickly, she's she well, I I guess she's stopped riding and she's she's dismounted and she's. She's thinking about the squirrels and the squirrels killing humans and Nilfgaard paying them to do it and thinking about Nilfgaard sort of as a sort of cascade of memories of, of, of her pain and hunger and fear and, and, and the, the things that she saw because of Nilfgaard. Um, you know, she has the flashback to remembering uh, the, basically the battle that she saw, the night with the winged helmet, the burning cottages in Trans River, uh, a cat that was burned alive. Um and and you know she she wants to she she gets caught on the concept of neutrality and difference uh, and indifference and um what it would mean to look on indifferently and that you know a witcher can't be indifferent there there exists to defend people and that's why she wants to be a witcher um so that's sort of her frame of mind yeah you know, even a cat burned alive in a torched barn deserves to be defended that's why i'm going to become a witcher and that's why i've got a sword to defend people like those in sodden and trans river yeah yeah like and of course she's interrupted in these thoughts by Geralt um, like who um, when she says that like you know they have to go back like 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 uh, well sorry when she's when, like he says that not to not tell neither Yarpen nor Venk about the elves that they saw and she goes I don't really understand why um, like 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 um, there are friends like like you know like 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 um, and Geralt explains yeah. that that um you know, um, like clearly the the the, the Hedzelt was just counting that this hidden you know caravan has to be escorted by dwarves because they won't attack their own kind, and that he's heard elves around, and that you know um, they've not done anything before, so they're not gonna do it now either. And she asks him, so why were they here? And uh, he takes takes her to some ruins. Um, yes, takes her to Sherowed. Yeah. Tells her, yeah. tells her they're an ancient palace, uh, Sherwood, um, like which you know is uh, kind of eroded by running water and that, and, and he shows her uh, a monument to uh, a young she elf um, named Elrin uh, beside a fucking rosebush. Mm. Um, it's just this is really lovely described right scene here yeah. the writing is lovely like the description yeah. of it is really poetic and it's 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 a very beautiful ruined palace and like you know like you can see that from the description alone you know yeah it, what... yeah and i think i was gonna say that kind of calls back the the um you know the preface to this chapter there, there were there were two ap- epigrams right mm. like one was you know the good elf is a dead elf but the other was a description of an elven city right yeah yeah you know, upriver we saw their towns as delicate as if they were woven from the morning mist out of which they loomed seemed as if they would disappear a moment later blown away on the wind which rippled the surface of the water there were little palaces white as none of our flowers you know that we get that sort of preface to this chapter about what this could have looked like had it not had to have been destroyed yeah because yeah. they um, they moved from sort of retreating from their own um homesteads and, and civilization to just burning them down and doing um scorched earth um yeah and, and Geralt yeah. tells her a story basically about about Elrin, this this elven lassie who basically led mm-hmm. the elven youth into one last final battle yeah which is um, why they're kind of dying out 
Like, 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 basically, that's so many of the Elven youths, like, died in that battle that uh, it set them demographically back catastrophically because their reproduction rate is very low, even though they live for a very long time. And yes, and 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 he mentions that the elders of the elven race like wanted to actually retreat. Uh, they wanted to go east into the mountains and like basically just wait the humans out. Um, mm-hmm. But Elrond mobilized the youth into like one final battle, and that turned out yeah. to be a catastrophic outcome. It's genocidal yeah. for them, basically. Yeah. yeah. So what? Yeah, what Carol tells her is that all of the human cities—Novigrad, Oxenford, Vizima, Tredegor, Maribor, Sedaris, and Centra—they were all built on the foundations of elven cities that the elves had had abandoned in the face of the humans. Uh, but the elves, seeing that humans did this, burned or destroyed Sherwath themselves because they didn't want the humans to take it. Yeah. Some um, the argument was whether the humans would come like would like be, be like a storm or a plague of locusts and then die out, um, or whether yeah. they needed to be exterminated and all and the old wise yeah 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 like like uh, he makes a wonderful case actually for that much maligned neutrality of his here because he points kind of mm-hmm. he kind of kind of points to the rosebush growing by Elrond's monument and says like do, do you understand that way we can't join in the killing no matter who's doing it no matter for what reason because yeah. Um, if this if this rosebush is destroyed, um, like if the if the if the if it is burnt to cinders, then roses will never bloom here again. Like the, basically that any violation of that neutrality principle of neutrality fucking contributes to like especially especially in this conflict of like of all of them contributes to the extinction of that people yeah yeah exactly um yeah it's just like do you do you understand now why the elven and dwarven young must not be allowed to be massacred once again yeah um and so siri says he says star also do you understand this neutrality what this neutrality is which stirs you so the, the neutral to be neutral does not mean to be indifferent or insensitive you don't have to kill your feelings it's enough to kill the hatred within yourself and she says she understands and, and takes a rose to remember so she'll always remember this lesson and when she does she um pricks herself she yeah. pricks her hand yeah and um it, it it it's the scene that was in her vision with tris um her saying it's the white rose of Cheryl because in her vision with Tress when Tress sort of drugged her with the white seagull and went into her vision she saw Siri standing with a white rose in her hand or with her hand bleeding and saying it's the white rose of Sherwath so it's um sort of the this was part of what was in the vision with Tress and um she seems to have sort of a moment of her clairvoyance here um and says that that Yarbin, Venk, Polly and Tress are dying and they have to go yeah and and they spread yeah. back and come back to a battle and we get you know very visceral again sapex very good at writing his battles and um, we get a very visceral fight scene poor polly takes a takes an axe to the shoulder um venk is in a bad way and it sort of all just falls to pieces in front of them yeah can I, there's a bit like the bit with polly actually i really want to to, to, to focus on that because Geralt. Okay, Geralt's whole position here has been we don't have to be involved. The Scoia'tael will not attack non-humans. He's been saying to Yarpin, Yarpin, to one side, you will always be a dwarf. To the other, you could really be part of their people. Why have you chosen this? 
And we get this moment where um, another Scoia tile um, leapt out from behind a wagon. Um, Polly abandoned Vec, pulled himself upright and brandished his axe, and then froze. In front of him stood a dwarf wearing a hat adorned with a squirrel's tail, his black beard braided in two plates. Polly hesitated. The black beard did not hesitate for a second. He struck with both arms. The blade of the wax word and fell, slicing into the collarbone with a hideous crunch. So this much vaunted solidarity between the elder races that Geralt seemed to believe was true, believed sort of the Scoia-Tiles squ- sort of yeah. propaganda about it, is total bullshit. <laughs> the, 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 you know, Garpin and his men might always be dwarves to the humans, but they'll always be traitors not to the their people. They'll always be traitors to the Scoia-Tile. Yeah. Like, yeah. because, because, I mean, like, I think the point that is kind of implicitly being made is that Geralt kind of just way too naively bought into the idea that, like, um, if your politics comes from a place of pain, then everything you do will be a valid expression of revolt. Like, um, and... Oh, man, that's... Yeah. And, like, I mean, emotionally that's true, but factually, in terms of, like, actual things that happen on the ground... Man, as if we haven't seen the revolutions go wrong in the sense that they start eating their own children. Mm. Yeah. Like, before they even win. Yeah. And and then a tragedy for Geralt as well, that he's been so committed to this idea that they, they cannot be part of conflict between intelligent species and that they cannot have a hand in the further destruction of, of the youth of the, the, the elder races. Um uh, you know, there's a young, beautiful elf who 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 attacks Siri, and Siri drops her sword while while trying to fight, and Geralt's forced to kill her to while she is Ciri. actually distracted by the fact that she sees a shed of a rose on Siri. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, she sees the rose, and that's what makes her pause, and and she she dies calling out for um, Eloran and Sherwath. Yeah. 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 There's so much pathos. <laughs> going yeah. on here it's yeah yeah suddenly we actually yeah. kind of transition into just after the battle um mm. it turns out that that a command of cavalry from banglian has arrived to assist um Venk has been um like like injured Mortally. and it turns out that like um what was actually in the crates was simply rocks. They were full of rocks. Simple stones. Yeah. Like, like, and, yeah. and, like, you know, bait, you might say. And, uh, um, yeah, Geralt that, that, asks that's... him, was that, was that, was that bait for the squirrels? And Yarpin just shakes his head and says, no. Um, I mean, it's clearly why the horse patrol came by before and, mm-hmm. like, let them away. They just wanted to be seen to be inspecting their carriages and then leaving them alone so that the Scoia'tael would see it and attack them and that would indeed even more so than that they mentioned that there was a Scoia'tael patrol because they wanted to see if Yarpin will betray the caravan to these to the squirrels because as Wenk's dying he confirms to Fredergard the commander of the um cavalry that uh, Yarpin is not a traitor like and um you know completely reliable um yeah and and so yeah. they get they get lots of intel from this you know they know that the Scoia'tael will attack non-humans and but they also know that Yarpin and his people can be relied on um this all very cynical and they also managed to get Geralt to intervene when he really didn't want to 
Um, yeah. So they know that the Witcher will fight with the squirrels if he needs to as well. And, yeah, uh, but like, how like how is this ensuring the loyalty of the dwarves? Like, I mean, I know it's like the point is that to, test, to test their loyalty, but like now you've got you know Regan Dahlberg holding Polly's head on his knees, crying. Polly, like, why? What will I tell her? Tell her, our mother, and then later, like, you know, Yarpin. Like, what have you done to us? The idea was literally, the idea was literally, like, the, the, and it was an insane idea, obviously, and, like, that's kind of the point by, like, Yarpin looking around and saying, and saying to, as the dieter says, to everyone, to the humans, what have you done to Mm -hmm. us? Like, 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 the idea is to make sure, was, was to make sure that, like, he will not sell out this supposedly super important, like, um, you know, like, fucking... Like, 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 uh, a caravan to the squirrels. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's completely failed. It's backfired on them. Like, 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 one of them lost the brother, you know, like in the, like, journey. It's, it's a disaster of a mission. Yeah. Like, From the dwarves' perspective, at least, yeah. Like, from the humans yeah. as well. They, like, needlessly like lost good people fighting on their side and probably shook the loyalty of the other ones but uh, yeah. yes and no because they're not exactly going to go and join the Scoia'tael because the Scoia'tael killed them well they're not but but they, but they might quit their service yeah they might quit and just go back to Mahakam and wait the whole thing out now yeah you know like you know it's it's a net loss of loyalty <laughs> mm-hmm uh and so and so like, it ends like with... like the the, the 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 fuck and yeah so it ends and it's just like the fucking thing is right like that like basically everyone except yarpin's belief systems are just proven catastrophically untrue no matter how well argued for by Geralt, for instance um like yeah. by the facts of this chapter like and it's just like, oh, that thing where Sapek twists the knife at the last sentence the whole time. You know, Garpin talk, talked about Alarena and how she died having to ask a lot of people for forgiveness and that you have to live your life in such a way that you do not have to ask for forgiveness. Mm. And the, 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 the last few sentences are the knight lowering his eyes and saying, forgive us. And then the la- end is Geralt taking the rose from Ciri and placing it on the body of, of, of the elf he had to kill. Saying farewell, Rose of Sherwath, farewell, and forgive us. Yeah, notice Ugh. again how Yarpin is the only one in this scene who is functionally not saying sorry. Yeah, because he's the poor bastard who got, <laughs> he yeah, got done like, by it. Yeah, but like also as as he said, like you have to live life in such a way that you don't have to apologize at the end. You know, like like oh like, yeah. Like, and and he's the one who's actually who can actually look back at the situation and not have to say sorry for his failings. Yeah, he just like was self-defending because he was put in a horrible position. Yeah, it's just like Geralt's neutrality in particular like Geralt's political views are are like collapse like a house of cards in three pages because <laughs> like like the entire idea of nah they won't attack other dwarves they're just fighting for their freedom and we can't intervene 
in in a conflict mm-hmm. where really both sides are just as bad like 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 collapses I immediately <laughs> i think something that's also maybe slightly more of a tangent but you know, witchers are supposed to travel alone they're supposed to be outside of humanity they don't marry they don't have children they're supposed to be able to be neutral because they're detached and he is here effectively with Someone who he cares for as a friend and is maybe too obsessed with him in another direction, mm. and effectively his daughter, yeah. and that's why he has to intervene. Yeah, like 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 the premise under which witchering relies, like uh, under which witcher neutrality relies, has kind of already collapsed. Like, <laughs> because he has so many feelings and a family. Yeah, he's his neutral. And he's not supposed to. <laughs> Watch how like a Geralt that that was in a different situation. Like, like, a Geralt who was not traveling with uh, Triss and Ciri might well have chosen to walk away. Like, he would have been torn up about it, um, but he did walk, he did basically, this is the man who killed Renfrey at the end of the day. <laughs> like, um, yeah. like, 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 we know that, like, when push comes to shove, his instinct towards neutrality like it doesn't win out in the sense that like he still he, like he still ends up involved whether he likes it or not but like mm-hmm. he still tries to put it into practice if that makes sense yeah like 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 i mean he only had to kill renfrey because he wouldn't take a side yeah yeah killing stregobor would have been the lesser evil and he didn't do it and that's what put him in the horrible position of having to kill renfrey yeah yeah like, like pacifism like, like, sucks like, is yeah. the story here like 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 what i'm basically just saying is like you know um in this situation, he actually does absolutely take a side. He defends Ciri instantaneously. He defends Triss mm-hmm. as well. He, de- he, frankly, at the end of the day, he also even defends Yarpin and his and his guys. Like, mm-hmm. despite having said that, like, like the the, the thing about like we would they won't be attacked. Like, really sounds like wishful thinking. Um, like like and that like you know like at the end of the day, he's formed bonds to these people, and. Yeah, he will kill for them. Yeah. Like. Right. Yeah. The premise of how you're meant to be a witcher no longer applies. Yeah. Well, that's why. That's why the kind of links to what the problem is with Jedi, in it. That's where a lot of their problems come from: is being forced to isolate themselves from human connections, um, or any connections. There's obviously non-humans in the Jedi, but that's also where so their collapse they, comes from. You know, good arbiters of of essentially moral conundrums which is really the kind of what jedi are like at the core right like the idea is you go around the galaxy solving people's problems solving conflict without actually having you know to resort to the actual conflict you know and on the metaphysical side so that you have no temptation to give in to the dark side because you have no connection and no desire yeah yeah buddhism at its most extreme really um yeah yeah. <laughs> you want for nothing if you want nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And uh, I think that's a good place to round it off. Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. <laughs> All right. Well, that's that's our show. Thanks so much for listening, and uh, hope you'll join us again next time uh, when we discuss chapter five. <laughs> our music is uh, "Medieval Abstraction" by Lucas Perney and Miloslav Kolar, which you can find at freemusicarchive.org. Mu- free and you can find us as at the Witcher Cast on Twitter and Tumblr, or email us at castapodtoyourwitcher at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye.